You're listening to the Imago Day podcast with Joseph Terry. In this episode, we continue a conversation from last week between Joe and Reverend Omar Ortiz on pleasure and the Christian life. What is pleasure and does it have a place in the life of a Christian? We continue that conversation right now. When I was a young Christian, I'm not young anymore, but I was a young Christian, I was very much a selfish spiritual pursuer. And I think for not so bad reasons. Mm. I think that when we are in the beginning stages of discipleship, I don't know that we can do other mm. because we're caught in the first love and not, not that we're not caught in the first love now, but there are, there is growth and there are nuances that are attained. And, and so then you, you become less and right. less self-oriented and more and more Christ oriented. And let me just add, just the most amazing definition of ecclesiology I've ever heard anywhere, but it comes from Karl Barth, who else? Mm. And he says that, that Jesus Christ is first and supremely for the world. So because the church is first and supremely for Christ, church is first and supremely for the world. It's, it's, a, it's a, a ricocheting, if you will. So then if, if you were to take that model of ecclesiology, right? Because we are the church. Right. And if you were to say, well, how is that any different or other than the pursuit of sanctification? It, it, it really is no different at all. Then you'll have to say that we... Um, because we are lovers first and supremely of Christ, and because we are in pursuit first and supremely of Christ, we have this understanding of the vicariousness of our being in the here and now uh, to be for the world what Christ is for the world. And we do that through, ironically enough, not being like unto the world that we may be for the world like Christ is for the world. Irony through and through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so God funny. is moving. God is moving. Well, listen, you know, and this is all fine and dandy in, 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 the, in, the, in the aesthetics of theology. Mm-hmm. But, bro, pleasure is, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I hear people liken sensual pleasure to to that of a cotton candy that one can have in Coney Island on this mm-hmm. hot summer day. It looks nice. It's sweet to the taste. And boom, it's gone. It dissolves. And, yeah. and, and you're, you're left desiring more mm-hmm. and not satisfied. But there, there is something about certain kinds of even sensual pleasures, pleasures that seem to be directed toward and terminate at one or more of the five senses that that these pleasures don't seem to hold uh, analogously to, you know, to cotton candy, man. When you have it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. great sex or um, telling of a, of, a, of a filthy joke, whatever the case may be, keeping it real, when you're there and you're in it, it's just like. So, and of course, many of the church fathers and church mothers have spoken eloquently, notwithstanding the Bible as well, of the deception of pleasure. Mm-hmm. That pleasure has this 
this this deceptive potency to it. And and of course, you were already mentioning this uh, by saying something of the reformers, I believe, and, and Luther himself mm-hmm. speaking of uh, the devil being the master of many arts and 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 sophistry and mm-hmm. whatnot. So you know what wh- what can one say to to that? You know, and and. I guess this is an additional question or maybe just another observation. I hear evangelicals typically selling the gospel. Mm-hmm. They proclaim the gospel some somehow, sometimes with a, a sort of, um, you know, that Jesus will give you greater pleasure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, than, than what the world can give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that language, if it's not enunciated well enough, collapses it into just a greater form of a high... You know, like, is that kosher? Like, like that's just that's crazy. That's just not true. <laughs> that's just not. That's. Right, just, I don't right. know why people say that. Yeah, that actually, that actually lessens it, mm. it markets the the Christian faith in in such a crass way. Right. You know, I I am much uh, my experience and and the little bit that I've read and my and the, my friends and colleagues such as yourself, all of this teaches me. Exact, to go right back to Bart, that that God is in heaven and we are on earth, mm-hmm. and and there one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah twenty three twenty three, mm-hmm. where it says, "Am I only a God nearby, saith the Lord, and not a God far away?" Mm-hmm. And we we all know we all know that experience of of the rapture of feeling God nearby, the nearness of God um, can be a, a terrible thing, as we know via the prophets. Uh, but now, but now in the season of grace and the time, you know, the nearness of God is equated with the rapture of glossolalia and, and you know, the, the incredible personal testimonies that, that really sharpen and, 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 and strengthen faith and all of that. Right, right. What do we do when we are faced with the farawayness of God? Hmm. What do we do when, when faith begins to dwindle, the experience of faith hmm. begins to dwindle within and the specter of the plethora of, of escapisms come our way. Mm. And we are seduced. We are seduced. Um, in that sense, the, the pleasurable becomes metaphoric. It is a, a, a metaphor of the fulfillment that we are the lack of which we are suffering by way of the experience of the farawayness of God. Mm. And then that to say that, that we should learn a little something in that transaction, maybe more than one thing. And maybe to begin with, we ought to learn that this thing of, of a, 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 a personhood that is couched in the experience of, of the pleasurable, mm. Um, is very true to us on all fronts, not only on the front of the physical, but in the front of God. You know, otherwise, even that very stupid statement, <laughs> you know, would not be purchased because it would not right, ring true right. that if I, if I intuitively have and feel a need for God, I have every right to couch that in the language of desiring God. So what's that about? Right, right. So, you know, we should probably then pay attention because then who norms our desiring 
index, hmm. our index of desire uh, is going to say a lot about where we find ourselves hmm. um, in the line of our faith. Are we on the on the far end of strength or on, on the other far end of of um, of feebleness and weakness, mm. right? So here is Paul saying something as crazy as when I am weak, right, then I am strong. The great and, paradox. And I, I say that to say that, that, and, and you said keep it real, so I'm going to keep it real. Yeah. I say that to say <laughs> that for those of us who are listening to us, mm. you know, th- things are going to come our way. And mm. I, I say this now, I've never considered myself a theologian. I, I just, but I, I do strive to be a pastor. And so I want to, I say this as a pastor, as a friend, as a co-sufferer mm. in the plight of faith. There will come a time, if not more than once, when the last person you will feel is God. Mm. And, and sin, sadly, regretfully, um, um, I don't know what other adjective to use. Uh, sin, in the most horrendous way, will come. We we will we will uh, experience uh, moments of horror, moments of of morbid shadows and darkness. We will. That that's gonna come our way. Um, um, the the what we have to understand is that. When that happens, and should it come our way that we find Christ in the prison of our flesh, Mm. um, please keep in mind that that's exactly where he is. Not outside of you, but abiding your fleshly torment. And that if you were to just um, um, recklessly wait for him it is my 100% guarantee that he will break through the bars of your flesh and the reason why we say this is because the one thing we don't want to want want you to think in this program is that we have some sort of holy respect for sin or sinning we don't mm-hmm. we don't so that's my very convoluted and roundabout way, a messy way of saying that there is a sense in which we don't understand our own striving, right. which is what Paul claims in Romans chapter 7, and that this thing of desiring is so at the realm of all things preconscious that, mm. that whatever we're able to sum up in consciousness by way of the propositional revelation of Christ hmm. that is so minute in comparison to the mystery of Christ that is lording your preconscious wow. self wow you see what I mean this yeah. is so so and, that, and that's a, such a difficult word for it's, it's especially for thinkers within the church absolutely who want to by way of their reason, grasp the totality of you the economy it. of 
Man, that's, that's exactly crazy. that's exactly what we're trying to say. Ugh. You know, and I and I say that yeah. like that. We're trying to say it. Right. There's really no way to say it. How, right. how do you say this? It's fundamentally irrational. Yeah. So then, what we do is we pray, my or brother. Yeah. We fast. Right. We don't. We don't. We don't play games. In other words, we don't. We're not here to. We're really not here to discipline the flesh. The, the flesh, by definition, cannot be disciplined. We're here to kill the flesh. That's, you know, that's, that's what we do. However, however, we're, we're not on the side of hollow triumphalisms. We're not saying, oh, therefore, you know, fast every day for the rest of your life to make sure that you'll gain some sort of per- perpetuity on the side of triumph. That's not going to happen. Hmm. So, so there has to be a more effective way. And that effective way, oddly enough, is Christ alone. But that element of trust, to be able to, to, uh, to, to, to translate that element of trust from Monday through Sunday, right? Hmm. Maybe, maybe we do best to take it in advance that, that whatever the pitfalls along the way, if we could somehow become believers of this crucified Christ, right. Reverend Joseph, I'm telling you, if, if we could somehow believe Christ, mm. I think that day that we will spite the devil. Mm. That's the day we will spite the devil. And let me just say one last thing about that, because this is where I get really inspired, because this is how I experience the salvation of Christ in my life all the time. Mm. You know, there was a time in my life where I would suffer the, 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 the abyss of penitence because I had fallen short of Christ yet again. Mm. And... And I would wallow in the misery of a very strange repenting, which stays penitential because it yet believes not that Christ is efficacious. One day I woke up and I said, oh, wait a minute. I think I think the real problem here is, is that I am a closet unbeliever. Mm. Am I a closet unbeliever? I started flirting with that. And then I said, well, let's find out. Let's put it to the test. Mm. So one day, there was a, I went through a season of, of very um, dense darkness in my life several years ago. And just as I was about to engage the order of repentance penitence, I said... Well, maybe Christ forgave me before the season of morbid darkness. So I will deprive the devil of wallowing in the possibility of not being forgiven. So I went on my knees and I said a five-minute prayer. I got up and I said to the devil... Win if you can. If there's such a thing as you 
lording it over the merits of Christ, then you might as well do me in. But if I, if this is predicated on the merits of Christ, there's something revolutionary unlike anything else is. Mm. And, and, and that is that either God has spoken or God has not spoken. And if it is true that God has spoken, then after the conundrums of the confusions of desire, um, we will see that all along, that's just what it was, conundrums and confusion that before we became confused and after confusion, the same significance sandwiched us in the beginning and in the end. So we might as well have our lives coincide with the beginning that is the end, become believers and stop the presumption of of impregnating our misunderstanding of desiring and desires with so much significance.